Hello and welcome on The Barricade. So this is your most exciting political show produced by Eastern European journalists and academics. And I am Maria Cernat, your host. And with me, as usual, the Bulgarian-born Polish journalist, Bojan Stanislavski. Thank you for being here with us. Hello, great to be here. And we have a very special guest, Mihnea Todor Popescu, who is one of the leaders uh, of the Union of Militant Students in Romania, uh, graduate students and undergraduate students, but militant ones. And we invited Mihnea because he expressed online and also through protest a very interesting position a peace position, a pro-peace position. And why I invited him? Because I truly believe that if you consider yourself in this world to be on the side of the absolute truth and not on the side of peace, you are just another soldier. So this is why I think it is very important to discuss events from a critical perspective. And it pains me to see that we have to be critical even with the progressive circles that got entangled in all this pro-military, pro-war rhetoric, because as strange as it may seem, being anti-Russian, it automatically started to mean being pro-NATO. And there are a few of us who find this to be highly problematic because you don't solve war with more war and violence with more violence. It should have been such a, such a simple lesson, especially for the progressives, but it seems to be, I don't know, it was buried and now all weapons, uh, informational and all other sorts of weapons are being present in the public uh, arena. So, Mihna, first of all, I want you to tell us more about your organization, how it was started, what is your role, what is its mission, and how do you see it evolve? Okay, uh, hello and thank you for the invite. Uh, first of all, I might uh, start by, by uh, making it clear, because you presented me as some sort of leader, that I am not a leader, not do, nor do I hold uh, like formal powers within the organization, and uh, I, think, I think that's for the greater good. Uh, secondly, when we are uh, starting to talk about the Militant Students' Union, uh, I must make it clear that right now, we are not a registered organization, but rather a group of uh, students, both graduate and uh, undergraduate, as you previously told us, um, which reunited in a context of uh, in a context uh, of uh, the realization of the fact that most student unions in Romania, and I'm talking about the mainstream student unions, do not uh, accurately represent the interests of the students but are rather a structure that is used by the by the ministry by uh, the administration of universities and so on in order to manufacture consent uh, within the the student uh, the students uh, and uh, they mostly speak for the uh, administration uh, in front of students not the other way around as they were supposed to so that was the realization that prompted some people uh, including me, to start this uh, initiative. Until now, we haven't had the opportunity to 
uh, find a legal form of organizing because as you have uh, has probably realized the name syndicate is here for uh, um, for like for a symbolic reason because uh, uh, the Romanian law regarding syndicates do not allow uh, do not allow uh, students to build a union in the sense of a trade union, but rather uh, they can build uh, NGOs, non-governmental organization, which represent their interests. So we're yet to find a, a legal form for our organization. Until then, we are an informal group with a, a proposed structure and uh, with a certain line that we strive to follow. Uh, which uh, includes uh, actually fighting for the interest of the students, no matter uh, what kind of interest they are, but mostly uh, in report to the uh, economic system we live in and the way in which the, the education system is organized, but uh, also uh, other ways in which uh, the system we live in uh, affects young people and also with uh, some sort of programmatic content like uh, a specific vision of the education system and uh, our place uh, in it so yeah we're still in construction unfortunately the pandemic situation hasn't allowed us to uh, fully connect to our colleagues inside the universities and build the nucleums we are trying to build but uh, fortunately we have some uh, people in uh, various places and we hope to start the process of formation for a broader organization very soon so yeah that's how we got involved in this um, anti-war uh, i could not call it a movement because it's still too small but this anti-war initiative along with uh, other colleagues from other organizations such as uh, fridays for future romania and uh, csf which is a newly formed uh, marxist feminist collective in romania this sounds very interesting. Do you have something like this in, in Poland, like union of um, militant students, undergraduate or graduate? <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm not, I haven't been a student for uh, over a decade now, so I'm not really familiar with the academic reality in Poland. Uh, I know of one... Uh, important organization, well, at least it used to be important a couple of years ago, uh, organization called the, the Anti-Fascist Students' Union or something along the lines of it. Uh, and uh, you see, uh, I'm not sure if this is the, the right moment to, uh, to discuss the legacy of this organization, but uh, like all leftist organizations in Poland, on well, I don't want to say in Poland, but youth, okay, let's put it that way, youth leftist organization in, in Poland, uh, they never managed to enter the mainstream of uh, uh, the academic uh, life or the academic disputes, uh, and, and uh, well, let alone any mainstream of the you know internal political process in Poland. Uh, and they were mostly uh, limited to some kind of uh, camp that were uh, out uh, via the mm -hmm. social media platforms. So, uh, so that was th that's pretty much. Otherwise, you know, there are union, uh, there are there are organizations, students' organizations, uh, traditional ones. Uh, one of them from uh, from the times of if if I'm not mistaken, from the times of before the Second World War. 
uh, and it's a profoundly right-wing uh, organization uh, which boasts about uh, its anti-communism and you know all those things, all those all, all those things that you have to have in order to to get this to get certified as a decent organization in Poland. I suppose it's similar in Romania. Uh, otherwise, there there are some remnants of an organization that was established during uh, well during the period of uh, of socialism, but I'm. I think it must have been in the early '60s or late '50s or something like that. Which, uh, which uh, the name of this union is the Polish. Um, well, I don't want to lie to you. I'm sorry. I don't remember the exact name. Anyway, it's a fringy organization. I, I don't think it it really has any legacy after 1989. And uh, and, and it, it was supposed to be some kind of counterweight uh, for this uh, right wing uh, union that I just described. And uh, and that's pretty much it. Otherwise, uh, th- there isn't much. Well, not otherwise, but in general, there isn't really much of a political life that the Polish students' community uh, would display. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there were no, I don't know, special protests, demonstrations, or anything like that. I would uh, even now in this in this massive upheaval that we all have to face. That would be organized by some student circles, particularly student circles. Many students probably went to some demonstrations, you know, to shout against this or that, or, or, or I don't know, to to help, for example, refugees. There are hundreds of thousands of refugees right now in in Poland, and uh, I'm based in Warsaw, and I can see what's happening here on you know bus stations or, or train stations where people are massively flooding uh, from Ukraine and they sleep on the street or, you know, in the corridors of those uh, stations, you know, in sleeping bags and stuff. And people have to, you know, bring them at least, I don't know, tea, food, and whatever, like uh, blankets, you know, some <coughs> some other items of uh, necessity in situations like that. So I'm sure there are students doing that too. But most of this is, and that's my guess, all right, because uh, I mentioned this emotional upheaval uh, and that's putting it really mildly, okay? I just don't want to re- resort to words which uh, will get this video downgraded by algorithms. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, I, I have made this conscious decision, which I think I mentioned before already in our program, to detach myself temporarily from the Polish uh, political uh, and, well, maybe public realities, so to say, because I'm just not able to cope with it. Uh, and... and uh, for the for the sake of my psychological hygiene, I, I decided to uh, to limit my observations to the very necessary level. So I again, this is a, this is a bit of a speculation, but I think it's a it's an educated guess that most of those actions, uh, spontaneous or organized, are led by people who belong to the activist circles, to the NGO activist circles, and uh, you know. What do I think about the Polish NGOs and their activists? I, I don't think it's it's a whole other show. And and uh... we'll get the chance to to talk about that uh, more when uh, when we will discuss this colonization of the human rights. So we will devote an entire show to to that. But for the time being, I want to congratulate Michna and uh, his uh, group, his informal group of students of actually protesting the war, but 
but protesting both Russia and NATO. And let me tell you that that in Romania is a very courageous position, I suppose. (laughs) Now, why is that? Because I also posted some things related to what I consider to be common sense. You don't give guns and Kalashnikovs to people randomly like you would give tulips uh, you know, and flowers because that might end very bad. And of course, I've been labeled, called, whatever name. And I'm usually very careful with the language and with what I post because I don't want to antagonize people. I know how easy it is to antagonize people online. And despite all that, I got called names and I had to block a lot of people because... uh, the reaction was was extraordinary. So tell us more about the protest and uh, why did you decide to oppose both uh, Russia and uh, NATO in your pro-war protest? Your anti-war. pro-war, your anti-war protest. Yeah, Freudian sleep. Okay, so um, basically our position uh, was not, uh, like it didn't, come into existence just uh, because uh, we have witnessed this historical uh, this historical event which is the the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia uh, but it was our position before that uh, and I think I speak for the most of us because we acknowledge both the USA and Russia as imperialist powers which are in conflict with each other because uh, mostly uh although mostly the interests of the capitalists converge on a global level there are specific uh, circumstances in which the interests of uh, these imperialist states do not converge and that is the point in which they uh, start uh, various conflicts be it economical as uh, with uh, other countries such as china or uh, military with russia in that case so basically we kind of have an, a consistent anti-imperialist position in which, of course, uh, we must condemn the uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia because uh, there is, uh, we believe there is no, absolutely no excuse for that and it is an aggression um, against a sovereign state that is carried out by uh, Russian imperialism. But at the same time, we cannot ignore the way in which uh, NATO expansion uh, to the Eastern Europe countries has played a major role in that, in the sense that uh, it was already well known that uh, um, uh, further expansion of NATO uh, to Ukraine would lead to a reaction uh, by Russia, and it was already well known that uh, due to the state, due, due to the the way in which the organization is built, NATO cannot intervene in countries that are not uh, part of NATO. So they basically um, knew that uh, Ukraine was going to find itself in this uh, situation. And that's the point in which uh, we say, okay, uh, Russian troops should go home, definitely. They should uh, get out of Ukraine or, uh, by, uh, by the way, any other country in which they are, they should only find their st- themselves uh, within the Russian border, definitely. Uh, and at the same time, we have to oppose uh, the um, maneuvers of uh, NATO in Europe because we believe that it does not serve 
the interest of uh, the European countries first and foremost, but it is mostly a structure that is used uh, by American imperialism in order to uh, mobilize military resources in its uh, own uh, in its own um, help, uh, with no uh, by using the need for uh, protection of various countries as some sort of uh, a blackmail. Dare I say like that? So yeah, basically we decided that we have to put into the public space uh, some sort of message regarding that because uh, as we as we should. Uh, we have witnessed the uh, condemnation of the Russian imperialism, and we have witnessed a reaction uh, in the front, uh, in front of the aggression, which is totally normal and should happen. And we are part of it, uh, and uh, we are definitely glad that it is happening, uh, especially inside Russia, where um, uh, the working class is protesting the war, although the um, the repression of the Putin regime is very harsh and they uh, they bear the consequences. At the same time, uh, we don't want this mobilization against Russian imperialism to be weaponized by the other side in order to manufacture consent to uh, further actions of NATO that could uh, lead to the escalation of the military conflict. And uh, we could find our ourselves in the same uh, situation as people from Ukraine and from Russia, which are mobilized uh, by those who hold political powers and those who uh, probably have to uh, gain something materially from the war. They're mobilized to put their lives at stake for their exploiters, basically. So yeah, we went to the, we organized the meeting along with other people uh, from various organizations. But first of all, I must say that we were present in Brasov Romania uh, during the last weekend. Uh, there were people from uh, like three different groups, uh, just as I have mentioned. We were there for um, uh, making other plans, uh, but then we mentioned we have witnessed a protest which was pro Ukraine. Uh, we went to the protest and uh, we... Yes, we yes. I, I, before you go into that, I just want to give Boyan and the viewers a little bit of context. Now, we have progressive circles here in Romania that are opposing the war. But as Mihnia said, we we work here on a very thin ice because you are, if you are protesting only one part of the world, were you are part of the problem basically because you allow the other part to use you as a tool in this constant battle so thinking that history started yesterday and trying to to erase all other aspects that surround this very sad military con this very uh, how should I say, violent in, uh, invasion of ukraine is not going to help anyone now uh I want to present the viewers the some con. I told that I want to give some information on uh, the person organizing this protest, pro-Ukraine protest. Now, this uh, person did a lot in Romania, and he was um, an advocate and he was a promoter of LG the LGBT community. And he is a progressive thinker. He also. Uh, had the power to bring all these problems related to 
minorities, to discrimination, to xenophobia in the media arena, and we have to give them that. He is Remus Cerna. He was actually an MP at some point. And from that position, he tried and tried, and at least, at least he was an alternative voice. But the problem is right now that he organized a protest, this protest, anti-war protest in Romania. And tell us what, what happened to this protest. Okay, so uh, yeah, I was talking about uh, another protest in Brasov. Uh, yes, this, this was the first one that you organized in Brasov. Okay, that was okay. Yeah, okay. So I have to add that uh, before we organized our, our own protest in Brasov, uh, this is important in the context of, of what happened at uh, Remus Cerna's protest. Uh, there was another protest in uh, Brasov, which was more massive. And uh, we went to the protest and then uh, we found out that there were some people who... Uh, it was a small group of people that uh, kind of... Uh, I don't know if they infiltrated the protest or if they were part of the organizers, but they were waving American flags and at some point uh, they started to... Uh, shout Romania get in, uh, Europe get in. Uh, I don't know what that meant, but I am afraid uh, it could have meant uh, get into the war. Uh, yeah, and we found this very, very odd. And we became more careful about how those protests can be speculated, just as I said, for the manufacture of consent. Now, uh, to give you a quick uh, view of the protest that took place in Bucharest in, in what happened, I must uh, say that I wasn't part of uh, the group that went to the protest because right now I live in Cluj-Napoca and uh, there was a group of people from Bucharest, but I can uh, exactly tell you what they uh, uh, transmitted to the rest of us through our communication channels. So basically there was this group who was uh, formed by um, by three, by uh, five people, and uh, we used the same uh, uh, along the lines, the same messages that we used in uh, Brasov. There was a, a message saying "food not bombs," uh, one that said in Romanian, "the Russian gas is uh, fueling murder," as in uh, the murderous invasion of Russia that is possible because the Western capitalism is dependent on fossil fuels, and Russia provides them. Uh, also, there were messages like uh, independent Ukraine, uh, Russia get out of uh, Ukraine, uh, NATO get out of Eastern Europe, uh, not with Putin, not with NATO, uh, and so on. Uh, and basically, uh, this group of uh, people, this group of five people went there and uh, they start, they tried to align with the protest. And uh, after a few minutes, uh, a group of pro-NATO protesters uh, came to them and they were uh, kind of aggressive and they were accusing them of uh, being uh, pro-Russia and uh, having of having ties with the uh, nationalistic party AUR in Romania. <laughs> Not any links to them, of course, obviously. Uh, and then uh, some people uh, came there and took some photos and uh, the former MP that we were talking about, Remus Cernia, went to the cops that were present at the protest and uh, told them that, oh, those, people's, those people came there and they are organizing a parallel protest because they, those aren't our messages and you cannot organize two protests at the same time in the same place. So uh, he argued like that in order to uh, convince the cops to 
uh, remove uh, the group of people we are talking about from the protest. And uh, by that point, it was becoming clear that uh, we had no chance to uh, basically to uh, have a critique of uh, imperialism and fossil fuel capitalism at that protest or to touch in any way the deeper uh, roots uh, that made this conflict possible. But uh, some people there were rather uh, like that was the conclusion of one of the uh, people from outside of our groups uh, with whom we talked later that uh, he had the impression that some people who were present there were more concerned with defending NATO than with uh, being preoccupied by Ukraine. And of course, uh, given the situation, the uh, group I was talking about left the protest. We got some photos and then we publicly communicated what happened and uh, why we are uh, uh, preparing ourselves for further action, which is probably uh, going to be independent action uh, regarding uh, the disconstruction of the uh, anti-war mass movement that we need in the context in which we find ourselves. Well, I find this to be very brave. And even though there is a very small group of people that shares this belief, uh, it was, you know, a breath of fresh air, so to speak, because as you said, there is this tendency of being pro-NATO, pro-war. I'm actually scared of the people uh, and persons who were so nice before, you know, to people who seem normal and integrated in the society and good citizens to, to see them right now shouting that they want to go to war, that they want to, to kill Russians, that they want this and that, and also this this very, very, uh, how should I say this, this very violent rhetoric, pro-war rhetoric and pro-NATO rhetoric, I find this to be very, very sad. Uh, and especially on the part of a progressive leader to have the cops, to have the police remove anti-NATO uh, protesters and anti-Russian uh, protesters from, uh, uh, from his protest, I find this to be very, very problematic. So um, what next? You said that you are preparing some more actions, which I find to be very brave. I don't know if I had the energy. I told you I was a coward. I, I just stopped posting. I mean, two days after I stopped. That's not posting. an act of cowardice. That's an act of reason. You say that that's an act of reason. But here yeah, I advise everyone to get off Facebook immediately for at least half a year or, I don't know, three months or something like that. <clears throat> okay, so Mihna, would, what do you say about that? So it seems a little difficult that we have to use these tools to promote our agenda, our pacifist agenda, isn't it? It's not my agenda. I just like for the end of the program, I'm sorry, I just want to weigh in. I, I want to make it maybe a little interesting. First of all, like it's uh, I'm all for Please. peace, but I'm not exactly a pacifist. Second, uh, I again for the end of the program, because I understand we're approaching it, I want to uh, I want to say that. I, I I congratulate uh, I congratulate you, Michna, and your organization on uh, organizing those protests in the way you organize them. That is like you know opposing war in general. Uh, I don't agree with the perspective, which I find a little odd, uh, especially in this context, to consider Russia an imperialist country. 
Uh, but that's a whole other show. I guess we could have a discussion about that some, uh, sometime later, which would be a theoretical discussion, I suppose. Uh, I uh, also want to say that, you know, I, I, uh, as much as I admire your anti-imperialistic position, which I think is valuable, I also have one. I, I don't really think you need to be a Marxist anti-imperialist to oppose both Russia and NATO. I mean, I can give you names of people uh, who are right-wing and who still oppose that. Like, I don't know, Professor Mischheimer, for example, has nothing to do with uh, Marxism or leftism or whatever. I mean, <laughs> he's pretty reactionary, really. Or, I don't know, the former ambassador to the USSR, American ambassador Kennan him as well he's not a leftist in, in by any stretch of the word or i don't know henry kissinger you know <laughs> he's also so like i mean all those people and many other uh, you know scholars <clears throat> who understand the international uh, situation they have been repeating that thing that expansion of nato eastwards will eventually lead to war uh, that is, they, they, well, they didn't specify that it necessarily would be, you know, war in this uh, exactly dimension, that, that, that the way that it's playing out right now. But uh, it could have been the Baltics, it could have been Ukraine, it could have been something else. W what I'm just trying to say here is that, uh, you know, this should be really common sense. I know it's not, I realize it's not, but... You know, I, I wanna. I don't want this this program to come across as it, that you have to be an educated Marxist to you know grasp it, and only then you know you're able to confront the reality. No, it's actually enough if you uh, if you kind of have a pinch of critical thinking in your brain, and that's what people are lacking. And uh, you know, I, of course, it's easy to blame the people, and I sometimes do that. But you know, quite honestly, I think we're up against such a propaganda machine that it's going to be only increasingly difficult, and especially with this wave of censorship now and all the rest of it. I think it's really going to be... We're really going going into a very, very dark place. And when the sanctions keep striking, uh, start striking back, that's going to be even worse, probably. And, uh, you know, I mentioned, like, at the beginning uh, of the program, I mentioned this, this problem uh, that, you know, that we're getting a lot of hundreds of thousands of refugees probably we're going to have you know, there are some estimations we're going to get like 2 million refugees in Poland from Ukraine. And, you know, now everybody's very empathetic, very sympathetic to them. Everybody wants to help and so on and so forth. I want to say that I don't believe they do that because they, they, they display genuine hospitality to those people because traditionally the Polish and the Ukrainians don't really like each other that much, to say the least. I think what's, what happens is that, you know, everybody is now in this climate, in this upheaval, in that they want to stick it to the Russians. So they go there and, and you know, that's the least they can do. And, of course, at the same time, they are so, sort of, you know, having this conscience washing uh, 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 mechanism that, you know, they do something, they help people and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, two months, three months, I don't know, maybe half a year, and we, we are going to witness an unprecedented wave of xenophobic violence here against Ukrainians. And this is when uh, the trouble, uh, when the problems are really going to, uh, to become uh, big. And I don't know how, how and when is anyone, uh, I mean, how, how are the authorities planning to control this or to contain this? I have no idea if they have any plan or if they even realize that this is coming. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I, I, once again, I want to congratulate uh, you because in Poland, for example, I haven't seen anyone doing anything like that. Uh, most people uh, who have the kind of views that you presented in the sense that, okay, of course, we're against the war. Of course, we're against the war, but we're not just against the war because Russia launched it and it's fashionable to hate Russia, but we're against the war uh, in general, like wars of aggression, including those that uh, are launched by NATO, oh, that 
you know, were or are launched by NATO member states. So that's something that, you know, in Poland, I, again, it's difficult for me to guess, but I'm, I'm guessing that we've got a, the amount of people with such a position today can be counted on two, three, five sets of hands. And most of them have probably chosen this path that I, again, described at the beginning of the program, which is uh, of some sort of internal emigration, at least for, for some, uh, for some time. And, and, uh, Yeah, well, as much as it's all sad, difficult, as much as there are atrocities and as much as all those, you know, all those critiques, criticisms are absolutely legit. Uh, I, you know, the reaction that has been produced all over the Western world uh, and the manufacturing of this reaction, not only consent, but also this emotional upheaval, uh, which is uh, just, you know, more and more hot air. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm looking at it with, uh, well, how to put it, how to put it, increasingly distant contempt. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't see uh, you are brave. I'm looking at it with uh, fear because this is the perfect, the perfect opportunity for more violence, for more conflict. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just perfect just let me, opportunity let me, to let me, get people to accept the craziest yeah. things, like no. accepting U uh, Ukraine in the EU just like yeah, of that. Course, of course, uh, that, that, that's not going to happen. Invasion, yeah. but, but, but I think that it's the 1914 moment. It's a 1914 moment. It's like a deja vu. Like if someone had lived, like, uh, you know, let's say, if someone had witnessed still alive someone who'd still be around and had witnessed like 1914 i think they'd have a deja vu it's like yeah let's go to war exactly that's the moment everybody should fight everybody should arm themselves and so on and so forth and then it takes like you know a shooting of someone here and there and the whole world is in flames so uh and we would already ideas like that were shuffled like for example You know, I don't want to go into that because we already went over time, okay? But, uh, you know, ideas like no-fly zones over Ukraine for Russians, I mean, this would this is something, or, or, for example, the kind of idea that was floated that we would have uh, military planes that would, that would be operated by Ukrainian soldiers, but would be operating from bases uh, that, that are located in Poland, Romania, or Bulgaria, you know, which, of course... Like, you, you don't really need to be a military strategist to think that the first thing after such an action occurs, the first thing that happens right after is Russia taking those bases out, which means, again, World War III, you know, full spectrum, right? So, uh, you know, from that point of view, I also fear, you know, all, we've heard so many irresponsible emotional statements so far, so many. And, and, you know, this attempt, like, to, to wipe, out, wipe off Russia, off the face of the public arena, like, Russia does not exist, cancel, cancel it, there is no Russia, no Russian cats are even allowed now, on, uh, you know, in some contests, right? Like, the, the, Texan, the, the, the Texan restaurateurs uh, are now, like, their association, whatever it's called, are removing Russian, uh, uh, is remo they are removing Russian food, Russian meals, From, from the menus of the restaurants across Texas, across the state of Texas. Like, you know, I, the, the Russian, Russian dumplings in the Polish uh, restaurants are not called Russian anymore. Now they're just called dumplings with uh, potatoes and cheese. Like, you, you know, so, 
Yeah, yeah and, that's, and- I told you that I think, I told you that I think if I take my Tolstoy volumes and I'm going to repeat that, yeah. I know how to become a star right now because I know enough PR to realize that if I take a bucket, I go into the yard and I take the Tolstoy volumes, which are pretty big, you know, War and Peace because you wrote about this guy. Okay, so I, I take those volumes, I set it on fire, and I, I, I stream live on Facebook. Oh, let me tell you that I will get oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. thousands. That, that, would, that would go viral. Yeah, that, that would, would go, go viral. viral. But, Mina, please tell me more about what you prepare to do uh, next, because apart from all this craziness, so you are trying to, to do something and I find this to be very truly progressive and helpful, especially for us who are maybe older and a little bit more careful. <laughs> okay, uh, I will I will tell you about that, but first of all, I might add to uh, the, the crazy things you were uh, talking about, you and uh, Boyan, that I believe that this is the result of the infantilization of the subject that is practiced uh, within capitalism in the sense in which you have this uh, comic book type discourse in which one side is uh, uh, the hero and the other side is the villain yeah. and you cannot or you aren't able to uh, view a complex situation outside this framing of uh, uh, hero villain uh, antagonism and that's how Absolutely. the discourse gets uh, is pushed so i believe that the infantilization infantilization that uh, uh, late capitalism subjects uh, people makes them definitely vulnerable for this type of uh, discourses that are uh, pushed by those in power in order to just as i've said manufacture consent for their actions and uh, i'm sure those kinds of actions will follow and yeah. uh, uh, thank you i totally agree with this so uh, yeah basically that's what we are pushing against and uh, just as maria said earlier it is not easy because uh, the amount of propaganda that we have in the media which is now uh, uh, unilateral or unipolar because uh, we have witnessed the- oh come on Mihna, we just banned russia today and sputnik yeah, exactly. there's no more propaganda only truth <laughs> in the media talking about like uh, before that i believe the propaganda was to use this uh, word that is very appreciated by Russian theorists, uh, was multipolar in the sense that uh, we had both Russian propaganda and uh, uh, Western propaganda. Uh, so basically, you could uh, scroll through the propaganda, knowing it's propaganda, and uh, I don't know, maybe think uh, a bit about it and try to uh, find an independent point of view and maybe in the identify both discourses and how are they used by those empowering both countries to fuel the conflict uh, right now you have uh, a propaganda that is coming from just from one direction and just as you you said earlier this one is pushing people who were uh, uh, technically peaceful in the past to have this violent outbursts because they are convinced that uh, this makes them good citizens or uh, this uh, makes them to be on the right part of history or whatever. So yeah, it is kind of hard to push against that. We got some reactions as well in the sense that uh, our uh, post about the events uh, regarding uh, Remus Cherna's protest was uh, found by online trolls. Like there were a lot of uh, Facebook pages with no profile picture or cats and celebrities and so on. Uh, and they were saying things like, oh, the police should beat and arrest you and stuff like that. It was like incredible. Um, 
so yeah, basically we are trying to uh, find a way in which we properly express our opposition towards war, but uh, towards the both uh, sides that were uh, fooling the war. Of course, the main focus is on Russia right now because uh, they were the aggressor, but we cannot let uh, the criticism of the Western powers just uh, uh, fall into some sort of shade because of that. So yeah, basically uh, me and the people we are uh, uh, organizing with uh, have built a list of demands or of uh, like uh, some sort of programmatic content regarding this, uh, this conflict. Uh, and we partially align with the positions of other organizations, other socialist organizations in Greece, on Cyprus and Turkey and so on. Like we, first of all, we want Russian troops immediately out of Russia. And then uh, we want the- Russian troops immediately out of Ukraine, you said. Of course, out of Ukraine and other, other, uh, out of other countries or territories they are in. Uh, we want them inside of Russia, of course. And we want to oppose the further expansion of NATO in the East. And uh, also we have to make it clear that we need a mass movement against war and we need it kind of uh, now. Also, um, and it should we, be led by the left and the left seems to have forgotten absolutely. quite some time ago already about the fact that it should lead absolutely. the anti-war movement globally. But yeah, that's absolutely. again another show. That's, uh, I would say, that's again a consequence of a, a huge part of the left wanting to align with uh, a narrative that is becoming, uh, you know, naturalized, you know, like the status quo in uh, society. So in order to make itself more acceptable uh, for uh, the fact that they are probably imagining some sort of political gain from that, uh, part of the left, uh, yeah, uh, just avoids to talk about uh, these subjects and to criticize Western powers. That's what I witnessed in Romania as well. Yeah, also we were talking about the fact that uh, uh, you, we cannot be silent about this. Uh, we believe that uh, each ethnic minority in Ukraine, but uh, also in Russia, since we're talking about these countries, has the right to civil and political rights, and also we must say the right to self-determination. That is very important. Uh, so we have uh, compelled this, uh, we have uh, uh, compelled these demands and this uh, programmatic content. And right now we are trying to organize, there is gonna be a protest in Bucharest on uh, Sunday uh, in uh, University Square. And uh, I'm not 100% sure about the uh, dates because uh, the, the hours, because I had a lot of work to do, but I can uh, check uh, real quick. Uh, and we we're gonna we are gonna publish uh, a Facebook event and we are gonna advertise the protest online and we hope to mobilize people not from NGOs and other structures but rather ordinary citizens um, with us and also there is another protest we found out it is happening in Cluj-Napoca where I live and right now we are preparing to go to that protest as well as a block with. Uh, uh, the messages that we believe uh, have to be put somehow into public space and into public debate, even though the reactions would uh, probably 
be quite uh, I don't know exactly how to call them but uh, whichever way the reaction would come I think it is important that we opened the discussion about uh, that and maybe the discussion with when the conditions will favor it will develop into uh, the kind of movement we want to see against work I don't know if we have enough time left for this but uh yes. i think it is the only thing that uh, can be effective if we if we do it okay so well the best of luck what can i say i think it's important to mobilize and i think it's important to be anti-war for real no and i think as i told you that if you believe that you are on the side of the truth and uh, not on the side of the peace and the negotiations you are just another soldier in this war and uh, on that note, I encourage our viewers to go to our page to support us to the extent that they feel that uh, this is important to information and that they can make a monthly donation. Uh, Patreon.com slash The Barricade is the place where you can find us. Thanks so much, uh, both of you. And... Uh, Stay healthy, keep fighting. We'll see you on our next, uh, in the next edition of our show.